Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chabruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Kiddushin, daf Dalet, page four. Well, this is a really, I would say, meticulous daf. Um, and a lot of what this daf is trying to do is, is it's taking different sukim, or even sometimes a letter, right? It could just be focused on the extra letter yud, and trying to basically tell us that if a pasuk is written in a particular way, especially when there seems to be a superfluous phase, phrase or uh, letter, that it must be teaching us something. And so I'm going to start in the middle of Ahmed Aleph just to give an example of this. And there's many examples of this on this staff where they're going, we're going back to the Brisa that we had brought uh, earlier, which talked about the case of the, you know, of the Hebrew maidservant, right? Where the Pasuk said, Gupa v'yatsachinam, right? So the Brisa teaches us that the Pasuk says she'll go out for nothing. Elu you may bagrud. So these are the days when she is, an, uh, you know, an adult. Ain kesef, and then when the pasuk says ain kesef, elu you may narut. Those are the days of her youth. So then the gemara asks, okay, well, why does the Torah need to teach us about the bagrud about adulthood if she's going to be if it's already talking about her days of uh, youth? In other words, we don't need to. T- teach that she can leave uh, her, you know, the, the person who owns her, her master, when she reaches her na'arut, when she reaches her youth, right? So then why do you need to teach about bagrut? Obviously it would be true also when she is an adult, okay? So Amar Rabba, Baza Vilimed Alza. So this phrase comes and teaches about that phrase. And that what he's basically saying here is that since it's not explicitly stated, okay, that the pasuk is referring to her when she is a young woman. Therefore, if there's, when we have this sort of superfluous phrase there, right, we actually would have thought it was re- referring to adulthood and the halacha that she would leave her master when she becomes an adult. Okay, that's not such a, you know, that that's not such a, uh, a sort of a chiddush, right? It's not, it's not really like a huge insight. So you need to have both of those because it's the na'arut that actually is interesting. And so you, they, the, it's almost in a way like the Pasuk wants to draw attention to both of them. And then Rabbi says, okay, I'll show you a similar case to this. And here he's quoting a Pasuk from Vayikra chapter 22, verse 10, which is talking about a Toshav, which is a tenant, and a Sakhir, which is a hired worker. And it's talking about Truma. And basically what the Pasuk is telling us in this Pasuk is that a tenant, of a Kohen or a hired worker, they cannot actually eat truma. In other words, even though they're living on, you know, or working on the Kohen's property, they're not entitled to eat truma, right? They can't be paid in truma. They're not allowed to partake in truma. Ditanya, right? So Bryson teaches us, Toshav Zekhanui Kinyan Olam, Sakhir Zekhanui Kinyan Shani. So a tenant refers to a slave who basically it's it's permanent, right? He's going to be somebody who wants to, the Toshav is somebody who wants to stay with his master, right? And this is referring to the type of slave who would get their ear pierced and would basically stay with his master until Yovel. And the Sakhir, the Sakhir is a hired worker. This is a slave who is just acquired for six years, right? Which is like the standard period. Then at the end of the six years, if they want to stay permanently, that's when they would get that ear piercing, but um, so he goes on to say, why is this a parallel case to the case of the Hebrew maidservant? Right. Let's say it said just Toshav and it didn't say Sakhir. But then I would say, 
Would I have thought that if someone who's a permanent worker can't eat truma, would it have occurred to me that somebody who's a worker for just a few years would also be allowed to take truma? Of course not. So in other words, it almost seems like, why do you need both of them? The same way, why do you need the root and the root? okay? Elucane, right? So the Brisa answers, Hayiti Omer Toshab, if it only said Toshab, Zekanui Kinyan Shanim, Aval Kinui Kinyan Olam Ochel. I might have thought that then the Toshab actually refers not to a permanent, you know, the 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 permanent slave, but it refers to the slave of just years, right? And then I would have thought, okay, uh, you know, uh, that then someone who is a Kinui Kinyan Olam, they would be allowed to eat. So you need the word sahir to teach us something about Toshab. That actually, those are two distinct categories. So that's the, you're right? That even if it's a kinui kinyan olam, even if it's a permanent slave, they still cannot eat. And so Rabba's point is, is that you need, right, the bagrut case in order to teach the na'arut case and to show why the na'arut case is so different and why, what's the chiddush? Why is that? really the novel teaching there that the not root uh the 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 younger uh slave woman can go free and so he's trying to say that these are parallel now is going to come and abai is going to disagree with this and say no can you really compare these two but what i really want to point out here is like how carefully read these psukim are every single word every single letter has to be accounted for halakhically uh, which is a very, I, we, we don't read, you know, I think unless you're an academic, we don't tend to read Sukim this way. And I think it's really showing a methodology methodology of Chazal of how we read Sukim. We pay attention to everything that is in the Pasuk itself. And it's not just paying attention to it, you know, uh, it, it informs Halacha as well. Right. And it's asking questions that it's not just um, what is here, but what is here in place of what might have been here instead, right? Which is yet another layer, I think, of this kind of very close reading. Yes, exactly, right? It's saying, like, if I had this but didn't have that, what would it mean? How could I admit, right? Like, here what's interesting with Rabba's is the, the parallel example it gives, he's saying, I'll show you how you would misread it if you had it. It's not just even about having the extra word. I'm showing you it's so important that you would have misread the pasuk. Exactly. Okay, I'm going to move on to the top of Amadbet. And we also have another, you know, comparison case, so to speak. Uh, the Gemara here says, Vatana mighty lamehacha. Gemara says, it brings the halacha, or it says that the Tana brought the halacha, namely, specifically, that the woman could be betrothed with money. But it brings a different source. It brings a source as to why that is. And we've mentioned this in the past. Detanya ki yikach ish isha uva'ala. Right, the this verse which is in Devarim chapter twenty-four, it says when a man quote takes a woman. Okay, again, not the most pleasant vocabulary, and he sleeps with her, and then if it would happen that he that he she does not find favor in his eyes, meaning he's find something wrong with her, whatever, then he can write her. A, now. Here we have ki yikach ish isha when a man takes a woman. But the word yikach will take 
is an unusual formulation here. It's not just that it sounds like unpleasant to modern ears. It is inherently a, a strange formulation to be discussing and to be used in the context of marriage. Moreover, the Gemara comes to say, you only have taking in this way via a transaction done with money. This is the mimeni, rather. This is the verse that's considered the parallel because it uses the same word of take, in where Avram is buying the the field from Vahalodinhu. Um, the Gemara says, "One second, do you really need that kind of textual comparison to be able to say that this is in fact?" what the word means, because isn't this just logic? We've seen din here, which can mean law, but we, it also means logic, like a, a the Kal V'chomer kind of logic. Just as uh, the female maidservant, right, the Hebrew maidservant, can be, cannot be acquired through sexual intercourse, but rather she is bought, right? She is acquired through money. So then, all the more so, somebody who could have been acquired through via through sexual intercourse should also be allowed to be acquired through money. You know, right? Like the logic is there. Why do you need a verse to prove that that's what's going on here? The Gemara says no, but you can actually knock that down. Yevama The case of Yevama is the counterexample where you do have. Kinyan, you do have an acquisition through bia, through sexual intercourse, where money would not be effective. She because if she is acquired through through sexual intercourse, but not through money. And then the Gemara says, one second, but a Yavama is also different from this regular case because she cannot be acquired through a star either, through the document. Right? Are you going to say that this woman the regular case, who could be acquired through a star, therefore, you know, could all is, are you going to say that she also cannot be acquired through money? May, the parallel to the Yamama falls down. Lugamar comes back to its question, right? So we come back to this verse where it says, when a man takes a woman, why do I need a verse? The Gemara says, no, you need it, you need it, right? Why? Because we have that Kal V'chomer. But here, Rav Ashi is going to explain, Amar Rav Ashi, Mishum Dina Pircha. Rav Ashi says that because you could say that the logic here is a given, right? Then you say, well, you're, like, how far are you going with this problem with the logic, namely the comparison to the Shifcha, to the, to, I'm sorry, to the Amma, to the maidservant. Meaning that because you could use logic, but the logic falls down, so you want the verse. And Ravashi continues, and with that we'll close. How do we derive that in fact the woman could be betrothed with money? Via this ama, via this maidservant. Let her let's learn it from the fact that she not from the fact that she could be acquired with kesef, but the fact that she could buy her freedom. We say the woman who's betrothed cannot just go free with with money. So the money parallel also falls down, which is why you need a verse to teach that there is in fact money to be exchanged for betrothal, and it will in fact work. 
Yeah, again, so I, I think this is showing these are all examples where like you need a specific word or you need a specific pasuk in order to learn the halacha. Um, and again, there becomes a little bit of a chicken and egg question here, right? You know, did they really look at the psukim and say, oh, now I know what the halacha is? Was there a sower of the halacha and then they go back to the psukim? I mean, that's always sort of the question that needs to be asked on these types of gemaras. Yeah, it's a good question. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.